Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Is pension tax relief for the chop in the emergency budget? If so, what should you do now? Are there any safe haven investments anymore? We ponder volatile equity and bond markets. And what's the point of an independent financial advisor? We look at the trend towards DIY investing. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Alice Ross. Hello. And Ellen Kelleher. Hello. And our special studio guest, Adrian Lowcock, Senior Investment Advisor at Independent Financial Advisors, Best Invest. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, tax experts warned of more probable tax changes in the emergency budget on June 22nd. As well as the expected rise in capital gains tax, many advisers believe that pension tax relief will be restricted further. Grant Thornton predicts that it's likely that the £150,000 income limit for qualifying for higher rate relief will be lowered, while others believe that pension contributions uh, will still get higher rates tax relief, but annual contributions will be limited for everyone to, say, £30,000. Either way, paying into a pension looks unlikely to be as tax-efficient as it is now. So, Alice, does this really mean that we just have two weeks to maximise our pension contributions? Well, you and I probably have slightly longer, Matthew, because basically what we're looking at is uh, at the moment you're restricted on pension tax relief if you earn over 130000 And the, the main chat has been that they're probably going to lower that or that they might lower that. But I don't think that they'll lower it completely. To The Lib Dems were proposing sc- scrapping high rate tax relief altogether. But that's not a very Tory proposal. And I think it's unlikely that they'll do that, uh, certainly straight away. Um, And you would expect there to be more warning of that happening. But what might happen and what Grant Thornton, in fact, was saying that they think will happen is that they will lower the the threshold at which um, your high rate relief is um, curtailed, but probably only to maybe, uh, who knows, but 120, 100,000. So if if you're earning below that, you probably don't have to worry. If you are one of those uh, people, unlike us, who who is uh, on six figures uh, in terms of income, um, presumably there is then a case for putting some extra money into a pension in the next two weeks. There is quite a strong case for doing that, actually. I mean, this is kind of unlike the debate over capital gains tax, which is also ongoing at the moment, which is, you know, if I'm worried about it going up, should I sell my investments? Should I sell my second house now? Because that's a bit of a gamble. You might be um, selling at the wrong time. Um, 
But with paying into your pension, there's not really a particularly bad time to do it. I mean, particularly at the moment when um, the stock market is uh, not looking great. <laughs> so arguably, that's quite a good time to make some sort of investment. Um, so it it just it's the kind of thing that can easily be brought forward. So if you were going to maximise your contribution this year anyway, that, and you have the money to do so, then you might as well do it in the next two weeks. Yeah, no, no one ever suffered by putting money into a pension sooner rather than later, I suppose. Mm. Um, Adrian, are you seeing any clients coming to you saying, I'm worried about this, I want to put money into a pension now? I, I think we're seeing a balance of people waiting to see what happens in the budget, but others coming in and trying to get money uh, put in ahead uh, of the budget announcement. And I think it's uh, for those who can, as you said, if you've got the money to do so, then it'd be a good idea to get uh, your contributions done sooner rather than later. And the key is you don't actually have to put it into the stock market. You could hold it in the cash and then wait to invest. So you don't actually have to invest straight away. One thing that um, some people have expressed concern about is if pension tax relief is curtailed, there could be a falling off in pension investment are falling off in demand uh, for certain types of pension. Uh, We've got access to an exclusive survey by our sister title, Pensions Management, which says that there'll be a a 20% fall in demand for self-invested personal pensions if higher rate tax relief is curtailed. Um, Is this a a danger, do you think, Alice? Definitely. I mean, basically, the the rule of thumb that accountants are saying at the moment is if come next April, you think that um, you're not going to be a basic rate taxpayer when you retire, if you think you're still going to be a higher rate taxpayer when you retire, it makes no sense really to pay into a pension. Um, And, you know, so uh, uh, that's whatever segment of people earn over 130,000 at the moment, possibly by then over 100,000. So that's that is going to have a significant impact on the amount of pensions being taken out. And and there's also an impact, um, not just at the SIP level, but at the company pension level. A lot of firms at the moment are looking at introducing alternatives to pension schemes for their employers. So EFERBS is is the big thing that everyone's doing at the moment, which is, uh, hang on, let me see if I can get it right, employer-funded uh, retirement benefit benefits. schemes, yeah, EFERBs. Um, and uh, quite a few people are, are putting those in place now, and they are an alternative to, to pension arrangements. So it's certainly a time for, for people to, to look at all the arrangements that are available to them. And if you are um, earning six figures or more, perhaps think about putting some money in now. It can't do you any harm at all. Thanks very much for that, uh, Alice. And for more details on the impact of tax changes on your pension planning and that exclusive survey that I mentioned um, on self-invested personal pensions, look out uh, for the articles in FT Money with this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, should you bother with a financial advisor or just do it yourself? First, though, safe haven investments. In the old days, it was simple. When the stock market was looking volatile, risk-averse investors simply moved into gilts, the safe, dependable, income-generating government bonds. But in the past few months, everything has changed. Equity market volatility has surged. The VIX index of volatility, which has an average reading of 20, rose to hit 45 and still stands well into the 30s. Uh, But at the same time, government bond prices across Europe have all fallen as the government debt crisis that started in Greece has spread across the continent. And it's not over yet. This week, Spanish bonds were downgraded below AAA status, triggering a sell-off as investors sought safer holdings. So, Ellen, where can investors look if they want to be in something that's safer, that's lower volatility? 
Well, it's difficult to call any parts of the market right now safe, uh, but there are obviously bits of it that look safer than others. Uh, and you, you're seeing a flight into gilts, for example, and U.S. Treasury bonds uh, in, in recent months with tens of billions of dollars coming into the these investments and uh, foreigners just rushing in to buy them. Uh, but a lot of analysts say, you know, that's completely overplayed um, because, you know, these, the truth is, is that the U.S. economy, neither the U.S. economy or the British economy, is in a particularly good state, and and these markets could soon tumble as well. But Adrian is here, and he um, is obviously more of an expert on such matters than I am. Uh, Adrian, what are you telling clients to do in terms of? I, th- I think the key thing is to is to is, is to remain sort of patient and, and don't don't panic because uh, the volatility sort of means markets will go up and down um, and make sure you've got exposure to traditional defensive elements so having exposure to the US dollar either through guilt investments uh, government debt or uh, through equity investment is quite a good thing because the dollar tends to be a, a defensive safe haven uh, likewise gold uh, tends to be a traditional one and seems to be holding up quite well and doing its defensive function albeit there are more more investors coming in, speculators coming in. So there tends to be a little bit more volatility in there than we've seen in the past. Um, a new area is some sort of like absolute return funds, which uh, gained prominence in 2008 and 2009. And they protect investors from the full impact of a downside uh, of a falling market and, and in some instances can make money when markets fall. Uh, so spread your risk and diversify across all sort of different asset classes. So what sort of returns do you think um – someone could expect in sort of a well with a well diversified portfolio in in the next year if they're very very careful with their money um i think considering where we've been it's probably quite difficult to expect double digit high double digit returns but i think sort of high single digit returns is possible it, it does depend on on how the, the sort of uh, greek and spanish crisis is is resolved and uh, there are obviously issues with getting that dealt with once that's that's moved on then we could see the market uh, recover on, on relief that it's been dealt with so it does depend on what that is. But I think you know, looking at single-digit returns is probably not unrealistic at the moment. And what do you think will happen to gilts in the next 12 months? Uh, it's likely with the issuance that gilt prices will probably continue to fall and yields will go up. So for most investors, you want to stay sort of clear of, of the gilts for present, at present and perhaps look into sort of strategic and dynamic bond funds where they can manage the, the returns that they're getting and invest strategically in different areas of that market and, and improve the yields. Okay, oh, that's interesting. And and sort of, do you have a view on emerging markets? Do you think that they are poised to outperform as if we move out of recession and towards a period of stability? Yeah, I mean, the story has always been about emerging markets for the last couple of years because they don't have the high level of debts that the Western governments have. Their currencies tend to be cheaper in value than than, than the Western currencies. So not only will you get growth in the, the economies, but you'll also get appreciation in the currency. So investors should look to have exposure into emerging markets and, and uh, Asia-Pacific regions, uh, but be aware that they, they have come in the past with higher volatility. So you, you may be just trading volatile regions in the short term. The key with emerging markets and, and Asia Pacific is is the longer term story and getting the growth over over sort of a five ten year period. Any funds that you like, sort of to recommend? Yeah, I mean the the Aberdeen Emerging Markets and First Aid Asia Pacific funds are, are two very good fund groups that have uh, expertise in that region, um, and they've got good teams and good uh, researchers and, and resources there. So I'd, I'd recommend those two funds. And can I just ask um, about? Uh, U.S. Treasuries. Uh, Ellen mentioned that there's been this sort of flight to supposed safety 
there. Um, but the, as Alan also points out, it's not as if the US economy is um, so incredibly strong. Do you consider the um, US government bonds to be a safe haven still? I think America is, is not quite as bad as other countries. I mean, it's not as safe uh, and, and as robust as it could be. Uh, but I think, generally speaking, the view is that America will probably lead, continue to lead the global recovery um, having gone into recession, was China's, China is the engine room for growth, but America is the consumer and the demand. And the signs are that that's doing relatively well. It's not firing all guns, but it is doing okay. So I think the, the, the sort of short-term risks of the American go- uh, government and, and therefore the, the, the US Treasuries is probably uh, not nowhere near severe as other areas. So people still see it as a safe haven and it's, it's relatively safe. The issue is, though, you just don't get paid much for holding that investment at the moment. No, exactly, which has to be another consideration for anyone seeking safety. Thanks for that, uh, Adrian and uh, Ellen. And for more on what constitutes a new safe haven and how to get your money into it, look out for Ellen's article in the money section of this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, independent financial advisors. Um, I'm sitting next to one right now, so I need to be a little bit careful uh, about what I say. But according to new research, investors have been turning their backs on financial advisors and doing far more DIY investing since the credit crunch hit. According to the study, which is carried out for Money Week, nearly half of all private investors now say that they make their own decisions because they don't trust their financial advisors any longer. Alice, do you think this is a significant trend? Is it new? There are two sides to this, basically. On the one on the one hand, it has become a lot easier for private investors over the past decade, maybe, to manage their own money with the growth of online trading platforms and um, buying things over the internet. So there has been this kind of gradual movement towards uh, DIY investing. But there's also this uh, trend that's hastened this over the past two years since the, the credit crunch of, well, I mean, since the, the stock market really kind of plummeted in, say, October 2008, which is um, when this study is uh, based from, um, investors have occasionally blamed their advisors for the falls in their portfolios. Now, financial advisors that I've spoken to have, you know, quite fairly said, well, look, you know, you can't really blame financial advisors for the credit crunch, which is a very fair point. And um, so to a certain extent, private investors are maybe being a little bit unfair in saying, in blaming their financial advisors for this. Um, At the same time, there have been uh, problems over the past couple of years that have come out of the credit crunch. Um, We've seen mis-selling problems over structured products, for example, and, and other things. So so at the same time, it is fair that they would maybe try and take matters into their own hands. And I suppose mis-selling, um, which has you know, gone on for longer than just the last few years, uh, is at the heart of some of the, the distrust. But um, Adrian, we've got this big regulatory change coming, the, the Retail Distribution Review, no upfront commission for selling products. Do you think that's a chance for IFAs to win back the trust of these DIY investors? I think so. I mean, I think with the the RDR, you've got an opportunity to really identify when advice can can add value and actually provide additional services to it. Because it's not just a simple case of recommending a fund. There's a lot more structure behind giving advice, planning behind it as well. And I think there, there's different types of advice. It's not just investment advice, financial planning advice as well. So I think when with with RDR, we can be in a position where we can attribute. Uh, 
a sort of a solution and value to to the advice and it be a bit more transparent and clearer for the for the for the client and the investor to know exactly what they're going to get out of it and what what to expect i think that's the key thing to it what what they can expect to get out of the advice and alice adrian makes quite a good point that it's not just about investment advice there's there's financial planning there's tax planning all that, that sort of thing um does this um survey show whether people are being sort of totally cut and dried, like 100% DIY or 100% advised, or is it a bit of a mixture in some cases? Yeah, some people are doing a mixture. I mean, it's, you know, as you said, it's nearly half are managing their money completely by themselves. But then a further, um, in total, it's 90% are doing more of their money management themselves. So a further 40% or whatever that is, are, um, are you know, kind of splitting it between doing some themselves and, and doing some uh, with an advisor. And that, you know, that makes sense. I mean, it, you can maybe buy your own stocks and shares yourself. And a lot of um, DIY people like to kind of play the markets and, and like to buy their own shares. And you can do that quite easily on online trading platforms through a stockbroker execution only services. But at the same time, you know, people, especially those with more money, will will need access to proper financial advice when they're doing stuff like sorting out their inheritance tax or um, maybe setting up a trust, uh, you know, at the moment with pension planning, which is just so much harder than it, than it has been. Um, so it does probably make sense to have a mixture of the two. And Adrian, just finally, what's the one thing that you think people should never try to do themselves? I, I think it's trying to take on things you don't understand or, or, or are complex. And actually getting advice can be just sometimes a simple case of having a second opinion to help you make sure you're on the right track and you've got the right view and, and you understand fully what you're actually doing. Because I think the difficulty is where people just sort of take something on and they're not fully... Uh, aware or understand that the complexity or the all the risks that they're taking so get a second opinion that i mean that's what advice is there for is really just a second opinion i know that feeling when it comes to actual diy i'm, I'm having to hire an electrician to change an outside light bulb because i can't actually, actually reach it properly anyway thanks very much for that sir adrian and uh, alison for more on this move towards diy investing look out for alice's articles in this weekend's ft uh, and also in the money section but that's all for this week's ft money show remember you will find weekday news updates and all of these stories on our website ft.com forward slash money and you can now find all of our interactive web content brought together in one place on the brand new Money Matters page. You'll find our latest blog posts, columns that you can comment on, beginner's guides, top tips and details of our live Q&A sessions, the next of which is on investing in gold on Thursday, the June the 10th. So do send in your questions and your comments and your thoughts and your gripes to ft.com forward slash money matters we'll be back next week with another lowdown in downloadable form but until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from alice ellen and our special guest adrian lowcock from best invest goodbye goodbye cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.